Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the, the great pleasure of uh, Charlotte uh, Dewhurst. Uh, welcome, Charlotte. Thank you, Julian. Good to be here. Yes, good to see you and good to hear you. Um, I'm just going to introduce you to the audience. Uh, you're an experienced global marketing professional with a passion uh, for people, which we're going to come on to uh, later on. And you're currently the Senior Director for Group Marketing for RS Components. And you've had over 16 years of, uh, of marketing experience in the world of retail, food, leisure, and technology. And sort of brands like ClearScore, Les Mills International, uh, Argos, Reebok, and Morrison's, just to name a few very big brands there. And uh, you have a purpose about making a difference in people. And interesting looking around and nosing around, learning more about you. You've People seem to be quite at the core of who you are and what you talk about. So that will be interesting to explore. Um, so just as I always ask everybody on, on the show, because I'm nosy and curious, uh, is what do you love about what you do, Charlotte? Well, you just mentioned it. My purpose is making a difference to people. And it just so happens that what I do and, and what I've done for the past probably 10 years now in leadership roles allows me to do do that on a daily basis and I suppose it works on two levels um as a marketeer I'm driven by making a commercial impact and so that's about driving change through changing processes ultimately making a difference to the customer which is incredibly motivating and kind of why I fell into marketing but you know the leadership that underpins that is about making a difference to people and that might be helping somebody on a career trajectory it might be giving someone some feedback that they've never had before it might be lending a listening ear to somebody that might be expressing a challenge and so yeah I'm really fortunate actually in that what I do allows allows me to do that on on both levels on a daily basis and it it leaves me very fulfilled. And when did you realize that uh, your purpose was about making a difference with people. I mean, has that been early on in your career or has that been a recent sort of revelation? It was around the time I was at Argos and I started to do some deep work with an executive coach myself. And there was a, a course that was running at the time called Leading with Purpose. And a number of people had been through that course and kind of found their purpose. And I didn't actually go on that course at Argos, but I said to my coach, well, what, what do you think my purpose is? And and she was really great, actually. She kind of took the pressure out of the situation and said, you know, you don't, you're not going to scramble to find it in this session. Let's think about it over a period of time. And, and actually what we did was thought about the consistency in my life. So what's the theme around what's driven me to do something? And, you know, whether that's a a mentoring relationship that I started at Morrison's that you know I now have as one of my closest friends who you know I speak to most days or whether that's you know that tough piece of feedback that I give somebody in the workplace or whether that's having a difficult conversation with a friend or whether that's doing something 
for a close family member, I kind of connected the dots with the theme, which is I always feel great when I've done the right thing by people and when I've made mm. a difference, even if that feels uncomfortable for me. I know that I'm on purpose and, and that's how I discovered it really was just, just looking at what the commonalities were around when I felt really great about myself. And and that's what drives me. And, you know, if it's not at work, if it's at home, it, 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 it's really permanent. You know, it's on a Saturday, it's on a Sunday, it's, it's in the morning, it's in the evening, it's any time. You know, this is on purpose for me because it's hopefully making a difference to people. So mm. it, it was just um, very reflective, but then it came to me clearly and it, it really guides me. That's great. And, and it, it sounds really obvious, doesn't it, that if you're in leadership you have a people focus about you or you're in leadership, you like people, like dealing with people, but actually it's not so obvious. And um, I look back and over the last 18 months and I I think of, I reflect on sort of types and styles of leadership and I think um, empathetic leadership and more of the human centric, whatever you, has become more to the forefront and, I just wonder what your thoughts are on that and why do you think it's become more of a, a thing to be pursuing now? I think it's a great question and, you know, I might be wrong, but I think probably over the last five to ten years, more organisations have felt comfortable with encouraging people to be themselves. And, you know, at best, most people do care about other people and do want to make a difference. And so... If I think about when I started out, you know, when I was talking to various businesses around graduate schemes, there was very solid values and behaviours that, you know, I actively thought, right, I need to adopt those behaviours and be exactly like that at work. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work in an organisation now that encourages people to be themselves um, and certainly spent some good time in organisations like ClearScore, another great role model example Mm. of an organisation that just says, you know, as a leader, be yourself. And I think that's a great move on the part of organisations because what they're doing is encouraging people to not be cookie cutter. And yeah, there there can be values that drive and guide those behaviours, but encouraging Mm. people to feel confident that they can be human. And Mm. and that's a massive move, I think, that's that's coming through in the past five to 10 years. Yeah. And and I think this 18 months, you know, it's been quite a, a, a struggle with people, hasn't it, in terms of working from home and people have been furloughed. I mean, there's been a whole host of stuff going on, mental, people's mental health. It's, it's It's been quite challenging, really. And, and as a leader, and as you joined an organisation, uh, and I believe today is your first day in the office. Yeah. Um, how's that? I mean, that must have been really, really weird, that sort of whole just onboarding in a remote world, and then suddenly you're joining people eight months, ten months later, whatever it is, in person. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been really weird to be honest. Um, I think the hardest thing was that it's hard to build trust remotely. Um, and I come to this engagement, my team engagement, my work with trust for others. But you know, the team that I'm leading, team of thirty five people, had just been through a period of really intense change that was relatively hard for them and hard for the organisation. And and there'd been a number of different leaders who'd been their boss over the past few years. Um, And the hardest thing for me was realising that people don't necessarily, they can't take you at face value when you're only meeting them on Teams and speaking to them. That needs to be a physical human connection. So 
the hardest part was in the first three to four months when I wanted to show up as my true self and I wanted to demonstrate that I care and that I'm dialed into people and I want to listen and I want to make a difference. And, and clearly the words were not enough in certain cases and that it really took to have those physical interactions. I've been lucky enough to go out for a couple of team lunches, socially distanced, sitting outside. And then mm. today just meeting a few people, it's so different. And I think that's something that I always took as implicit, which is you meet somebody you connect, they see who you are. Well, that has been more difficult over teams, but I've been lucky enough to just be so well received and generally for people to want to invest that time in getting to know me. And and mm. I said to my team the other day, no wonder we all find it so hard because as soon as we start to pop our head out, as I've done today and go into the office and have real conversations and not have to book meetings in and just have that kind of over the desk conversation, it's just so different. And you don't realise it when, you know, for me, I joined in December and you're sitting there thinking at the end of a long day, well, I've had 10 meetings, but how's that been? How's that gone? You, you, you've got no sense check on that. So it's been weird, I think, is, is my summary. But I'm Yeah, really- and going forward, I mean, you hear organisations, I mean, uh, I won't name them, but people that's been in the press where, you know, the whole no jab, no job, um, and some challenges to, you know, before that came out, it was all about, you know, you've got to be in the office by September the 1st, or yeah. you, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so this last 18 months, people have got used to this hybrid working, flexible working and everything else. I wonder what your thoughts are on that, not not, not much about the company you work for, but just how, as a leader, we should be approaching this and how we should be engaging our staff rather than being quite, um, you know, come here or or don't come here it's almost like almost vice versa type of thing yeah it's a really good one I think for me the the key principle is to treat people as individuals and not make assumptions so I think it'd be easy to broad brush people into certain demographic groups and assume that you know because somebody's under 25 and they live in London and they should work in London then do you know what they want to get straight back into the office well that's not necessarily true. They might not. They might have a vulnerable relative at home. They might have a health condition themselves that makes them vulnerable. They might just be really anxious about coming back into the world. You know, getting on the train this morning for me was was really scary. It was really it's the first time I've set foot on a train for 18 months. And that's a big deal. And so I think fundamentally to bring the human angle back, it's just about treating people as humans, as individuals. And acknowledging that, you know, everybody has their own anxiety and their own um, comfort zone. And as much as possible, we need to respect that. Now, I work in an organisation with 7,000 people, so it's really difficult to do that. But what I'm trying to do with my team is just have that open conversation about the future, talk through what that might look like and we'll find some common ground about the days that we might want to be in the office and what we might want to do and and not set anything in stone I think is also important because things might change with people things might change with the organization things might change with the macro environment so just just letting people feel the space I think is really Mm. important at this this point and and letting people know that it's okay to be anxious and and you know really within reason we need to respect their terms at the same time we need to make sure that as and when the business and the company and the the world goes back to normal 
that we put a framework in place that feels mm. like it's moving back towards some form of normality because mm. I think we can both see this thing just go on and on and on and and never finish so yeah human lots of reviews lots of open conversations and acknowledging that everyone's individual and it's interesting isn't it it it's not rocket science is it really and in terms of it's valuing people who they are knowing that people have anxieties have different perspectives different challenges and yeah. it's recognizing that and i think we i know we get caught up in policies and we get caught up in achieving the business goals and everything else which are all obviously important uh, but actually we just sometimes need to stop a bit pause a little bit take a bit of time uh, and i think I'm encouraging organizations not to rush things a little bit, sort of take yeah. a bit of time out, reflect yeah. on things before you think that's is that the right strategy? Well, just take some time out. And and almost if you consider the human at the center of it all of it, then you know, making sure are you we can't consider every scenario, clearly. We appreciate that, but we can consider holistically how we go about this in a right way. And as long as the intent is there, people will feel that anyway, won't they? Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, today's been a great example for me of just acknowledging that the past 18 months has been traumatic. And we haven't always felt that when we've been, you know, we've all been in different situations, but when we've been working from home or we've gone into a different routine and we, we've been great as human beings, we've adapted so much. And I think it's also really important to recognise in our teams and in those human interactions that it's been really difficult. And many people might not realise that today or tomorrow but you know there has been trauma there for a lot of people and and mm. how we create space to work through that i think is really really important so knowing that having a focus on human leadership is is a good way to lead is a good approach um firstly what what would be the skills and sort of mindsets we need to sort of develop to create that in a leader if you would sort of share this share your own experiences your own uh, insights what would that be I think there's something around low ego. Um, so I think it's really interesting when often leaders will kind of use terms like, you know, this person works for me or this person's in my team. And, you know, that's fine and that's part of the vernacular. But I personally try and avoid those types of phrases because I like to think that the people who work around me, whether they are in my team or Perhaps I'm reporting into them or they might be my peers. We, we work together to achieve something. And I think mm. it's about that kind of lack of ego, that lack of needing to be the most important person in the room. Mm. I found that if, if you adopt that approach, then that helps to create mutual respect. It, it, it almost it is counterintuitive, but by mm. being egoless, people tend to respect you more. Mm. And it's, it's something that's come quite naturally to me over the past few years, but I always, when I've been in office environments, not recently, but I always observe others and, and, and notice, I think, when there's uh, when there's ego at play. I think empathy is another really important one, um, which sounds quite straightforward, but just really trying to understand other people and, you know, what's driving them. And I think sometimes people can respond in a certain way. They might be erratic or they might be perceived to be rude or they might not even be doing a great job and for me this is where my coaching qualification comes in which is just really dialing up that curiosity 
rather than the judgment. So instead of, I don't know, person X is not delivering and they seem to be unmotivated, instead of kind of judging them and thinking, well, you know, they're, they're not performing, I need to deal with that. There's more mm. of a curiosity dialogue. Well, I wonder what's going on with them at the minute. You know, mm. is there is there some questions that I can ask them that that will help them to leverage my support? And that's mm. not about crossing a personal boundary or asking them to disclose, disclose anything that they might not be comfortable with, but it's about letting them know that I understand them and I'm interested in them as a mm. person. And um and so sometimes putting that very human personal agenda on the table is a really important thing to do mm. within the comfort zone of the person you're having the conversation with, of course. Mm. I really like that uh, that low ego aspect, that almost like almost creating a, a we run and these are my team. And th- yeah. th- that, that just, just difference in mindset and approach changes everything, doesn't it? Your perspective on the team you see them more about how you can serve them, how you can help them, how we as a team can win together. And it, yeah. it just changes the dynamics, doesn't it, massively? It's been so powerful for me. And I think also kind of it allows me to be more playful in my leadership style because, you know, I'm not sitting in a room to be the formal boss or, you know, the, the person that is perceived to be leading the pack. I can be really playful and really fun with the team which is mm. something that is a personal value for me um something that previously i've had to work quite hard at so it's great to now have that space to be able to to have a bit of fun to to connect on a personal level to not always be the person that's driving the agenda forward but be the person that acknowledges that we're human beings we need connection we need to feel great about what we're doing mm. and um yeah i've been inspired by some leaders that i've worked with that have have, have really helped me to feel that way and I guess along the way I've picked up bits and bobs and adopted that style on my own but it's so freeing to have this ego less or low ego Mm. pretend I'm ego less but low ego approach because it's just it it just demonstrates so much trust and respect for others and that just comes back in droves I've found yeah and it's it's while we have teams and I think often leaders get caught up with themselves and you wonder why, well, they have a team just to serve them, but it's, it's not about that. Just taking on the, on the flip side of this, um, does this mean that you're a pushover and you don't have those tough conversations because you're all about low ego and empathy and all those soft, nice, words and compassion and everything else are you an easy boss in that sense it's a good question and maybe you should ask my team i, I don't know <laughs> i don't no no <laughs> i think i think um there's a really interesting um dichotomy here whereby yes you can be human and you can be playful and empathetic and you can be all those things that hopefully make people feel great about coming to work in an environment where you are organisationally the leader. But clarity is something that I really value and and in terms of what I think is one of the most important elements of leadership, it, it is clarity. And so I will always set clarity for my team about what I am expecting from them in terms of really clear KPIs, really clear objectives, I will always give feedback and I often seek permission first to to give that feedback to say, look, 
do you want me to give you feedback while we go on this journey? And I actually don't think I've ever encountered anyone yet that said, no, I don't. They all seem welcome, well, like they're welcoming feedback. So essentially, if I set clarity and I seek permission to give feedback and they say, yeah, I want the feedback, I want to go on this journey, I want to improve or I want to do a great job, whatever that is, it allows us to have those really candid, open conversations. And so, you know, I prefer to weave feedback in on a regular basis, make it part of a really natural conversation, reinforce that clarity on a regular basis, really steer and direct the team and the individuals to make sure that they're focusing on the right things. And I guess it's not being so linear as to say there's a difficult conversation and there's an easy conversation. I think it's about creating a bit more of a gray area in the middle that says, they're just human conversations. And so if that conversation starts with a conversation about family or the weekend or recipes, you know, I love to cook, so I love to talk to people about cooking and food. Mm-hmm. And then it ends in a place which is, do you know what, we've got four key objectives and there's three of them that are not going great, so let's have a chat about that. That's fine. I think that's great. I think it's it's when you put difficult conversations off or when you segregate them or when you make them the binary opposite of empathy Mm. that it gets difficult. So I try and be consistent. I try and set clarity. I try and set an expectation that by leading, I set a high example for myself and that Mm. means that I set a high example for the people who work around me. Mm. And so far that that seems to have worked quite well, but I, I understand that there is a paradox there and I'm acutely aware of it. Well, no, and I, I like your reframe as in in terms of you know difficult conversations versus easy conversations. Just put more in the middle of a of a continuum of a relationship. It's conversation, yeah. isn't it? Uh, and that's and how we are at home, isn't it? You know, we'll we'll have a conversation with our partner or our parents, and they'll they'll have really familiar, playful, friendly elements to them, and they mm. might have really difficult elements in the same conversation. But what we wouldn't do at home is save up a really difficult conversation for once every six months in a review and, you know, just talk small talk outside of that. And that's the type of leadership that I can't identify with, where it's box ticking and process driven leadership. No, I agree. And also, if we we term things tough conversations, we're turning our psyche get ready. It's a fight, it's a flight. We start getting into that and we start then making sort of mistakes in our behaviors and what we say because we're all, we get nervous it was we're almost creating ourselves almost psyched up for it um yeah. so actually through a relationship it's just conversation through boundaries i guess just taking that bit further on the on the sort of conversations you may have where there may be i guess underperformance and and, yeah. and something you've addressed at some point how would you go about underperformance because that's things that happens and it, and it does take um straight talking in sense but how do you deal with that in your in your approach to leadership yeah for me it comes down to setting clarity in the first place so i think as a leader the most servant thing we can do for the people around us is to give them clear expectations of what's required Mm. and that's not just in terms of what we want them to deliver it's how we want them to deliver it so i'll always say to people who work around me best thing to know about me is no surprises. So if if you haven't done something or if something's not going well, please just let me know and then I can support you rather than finding out about it from someone else. So 
I think that clarity piece is really, really important up front. And then I think the ongoing contracting, which should happen on an hour by hour, minute by minute basis to say, are you committed to this relationship to actually both commit to give feedback? You know, I seek feedback from people who work around me as much as mm. give feedback. I seek constant feedback. And so creating that culture of very dynamic, open, in the moment feedback, making that really comfortable. And I acknowledge that everybody's not comfortable with that, but making it as comfortable as they can be. And then underperformance becomes something that's not kind of over here in a really lofty, scary subject. It just becomes part of a natural steering through a course of delivering great work. And, you know, that can be daily corrections or that can be, you know, with some people they say, look, tell me in the moment and with others they'll say well let's sit down on, on a monthly basis and let's go through the behaviors that I'm particularly working from and and, and, and let's work through that there's mm-hmm. others of course who might not be so aware of the fact that underperformance is an issue and, <laughs> and that's a difficult conversation in itself because I believe it's a leader's role to raise that awareness and mm-hmm. again that starts with the clarity and it starts with the commitment to have that yeah tough conversations help them see that gap Mm. and feedback you know whether it's feedback from me feedback from them to me but feedback from third parties is also a great way to do that when there is that gap in awareness just seeking some third party feedback and 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 letting other people's words be thought-provoking I suppose and again Mm. that's where my coaching comes in where you can look at words and phrases and and with that person say isn't that interesting what what does that mean to you and and often Mm. it's that ability to hold a mirror up to them that that perhaps hasn't happened to them before um that is so revelationary for them yeah and i like what you said about that the onus is on leadership to make that awareness i think all leaders think well they should know what they're doing they should be aware of that yes we're all striving to be more aware of each ourselves but actually it's the leader to to bring the mirror out in in the conversations in the words and to highlight the blind spots in a way that's uh, empowering and and sort of motivating as well, isn't it? That's really important. Um, just before we, option. you know, that's yeah. that's the harder option. You know, I think it's 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 so important for leaders to dig deep in the need to have those conversations. There's mm. so many opportunities where I've been about to go into a conversation like that where someone is perhaps less aware of the gaps in their performance, and the easiest thing to do would be to have a really polite cursory conversation about x y and z on the agenda thank you very much have a nice evening goodbye Mm. but it's that digging deep and that commitment to have that radical candor i guess if you know there's a gap and let's explore that gap together and create an environment that's not one of blame and judgment and fear but one of curiosity again where Mm. i can help unlock hopefully some new learnings for them and, and and help create a plan around that Mm. I remember once I, I created a, a competency model and um, it was a scale of I think one to five and everybody had to t- judge themselves where they were on the various sort of uh, metrics and uh, and obviously I would do the same I was the, uh, the sort of boss and this one uh, individual uh, had scored five and everything which is which is interesting um, <laughs> and um, I, and I, I made me smile, <laughs> and I, I said to them, "Okay, so I, I, instead of saying, oh, this, I've, I've got you this,' and we have this little battle, because it was 
you know, I think he saw it as a negotiation, I think, unfortunately. Um, but I just said, oh, t- just tell me, how, how are you, what evidence do you have at, at various levels? And as he started to go through it, you could see the sort of penny drop. And I'm not quite there, am I yet? I said, no, no, it's not about, it's just we want to have a gap because we want to develop you. That's that's the whole point of this. It's the purpose of developing you for the next you know thing. Yeah. And it was interesting, me just asking a few questions and he, he just realized himself and went, all right, yeah. And then he just and he changed it all. And then we had a, a very good, healthy conversation about where he wants to develop. So otherwise, it, it, he was nothing to develop because he was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I bet that felt great for you. Yeah, no, it was good. It was very good. And it it, it was, it, it diffused something that could have been quite antagonistic. Because I go, well, I'm, I think you're three and, and, battling away and that would just wouldn't be very helpful at all well that's what I was thinking you know earlier on in my career I would have there was certain situations where I was certain I was right and someone else was wrong and, and it mm. felt really difficult to be in that kind of um, engagement whether that was you know upwards downwards sideways in terms of, of stakeholder management but as I've learned to be more of a human leader and undoubtedly coaching has helped with that I think it's just taking the pressure off in those interactions and letting go of the assumption that I'm right and this person's wrong and just giving yourself some space to explore it with them. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. And um, it led to a great outcome. Yep. Just a question can be better than a statement, can't it, sometimes? Yeah. That's what I often say. Come in, just ask a question. Yeah. And you'd be surprised what, what can come out of it. Um, just before we finish, uh, what would be your, just as we... I goes navigates as we go forward with still uncertainty. There is still uncertainty out there. What would be your one advice, one tip of advice to a leader in organizations going forward, how to sort of manage and navigate that uncertainty? I think if you can identify a purpose without going through any kind of leadership courses or lofty thinking, just thinking about who you are and what drives you and when you feel great, that will help you navigate the uncertainty because it will help you stay focused and motivated and on purpose and on message. I think the other thing I would say is don't be afraid of feedback. You know, I worked in cultures where senior leadership would never seek feedback and, again, had the gift of working in an amazing organisation, ClearScore, where everybody sought feedback all the time. And we had an amazing HR system called Seven Geese, which allowed anyone to give anyone spontaneous feedback and Mm. anyone to ask the whole organisation for feedback. And I think, you know, when we're navigating uncertain times, what better time to seek feedback from people who you're Mm. leading, who you're reporting into, who you might sit near or have sat near and and, and not necessarily interacted Mm. with think it's a gift and I think that can help to steer and guide us and Mm. make sure that we do stay true to ourselves stay low ego stay humble stay human Mm. um, and 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 make sure we're putting people first so yeah anyone should seek feedback and and interrogate it with curiosity yeah that's definitely true that's important and it's it's that whole thing of people think leaders should know everything actually it's good Good to say. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not so sure here. Come, can you give feedback in, into this into the situation? Because I need your support. I need your input. Uh, it's okay to be comfortable with not knowing really. 
Yeah, and you can learn so much from other people. That's why I'm so keen to listen to your podcast, to look at your work, to engage with other leaders in conversations like this, because, you know, I'm relatively early on my journey and I recognize that I learn things from people, both what to do and what not to do every single day. And I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a old school thought, that, you know, oh, I've been given this leadership position and I've got a team to lead and I'm never going to ask a question and I must know everything. And actually it's the opposite of that. And um, mm. again, that's where the, the lack of ego and, and brilliant organizations are giving people permission to ask those questions and be mm. themselves and, raise their hand where they're not sure because that's definitely the future yeah absolutely um just before we finish how can people get get in touch with you and connect with you what's the best way of doing that um well i'm on linkedin so um you'll be able to click the link in this conversation um and i also have a website so charlottejuhurst.co.uk and you can see some of my writing and experience and background and other contact details on there well uh, Charlotte, thank you for coming on today. Really appreciate talking with you. I uh, loved your insights. I love how you lead. Uh, it's very inspirational and I'm sure it's making a huge impact with what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed the conversation. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organisation to create a resilient culture then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com thank you